1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, there are men coming up the aisles right now with Bibles. And if you just wave to them, they'll get a Bible into your hands. And then please, if you don't own a Bible, make that Bible a gift to you from the Lord this morning. Breaking out of uh, 1 Thessalonians, or breaking out of Hebrews in our study on Sunday morning, and, uh, and because of the Thanksgiving holiday, I don't always uh, shift out of our regular course of things, but I felt directed uh, perhaps to do that today. We'll be looking specifically at verse 18, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, but um, let's begin in verse 16. The Holy Spirit declares to us, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for every exhortation. Thank you for every comfort and encouragement that's found in it. We thank you, Lord, for your instruction on this important thing called thanksgiving in our lives, and especially for us as your children, desiring to represent you in this world. We pray, Lord, that you would just meet with us through this single verse and the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit now through your word, instructing us, speaking to our hearts, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Again, Thanksgiving lands this week, and as I said, I don't always do a special study related to all of the holidays, certainly having to do with Resurrection Sunday and with Christmas, but I rarely do a a grandparents' uh, sermon or all the different days that are uh, put aside for celebrating in, in, in the culture that we're in. But I did want to... Uh, spend some time giving some consideration this morning to this great theme of thanksgiving. And sometimes I don't know what your life is like, but I suspect it's very much like mine. And sometimes life can be so full and it can be so busy, not even in a negative sense, but so full and sometimes so demanding that even days as significant as Thanksgiving Day, holidays like this or special days that are set aside, they can almost come and go before we realize that they've happened, much less to sit down and give consideration to the fact that they've been established to actually celebrate something and something of some significance. And so I wanted to spend some time this morning talking about this thing called thanksgiving so that it can dominate our hearts and warm our hearts uh, not only on Thanksgiving Day itself, but on the days approaching, and then, of course, certainly uh, beyond it. And so the celebration of Thanksgiving Day has been a tradition in our nation, one form or another, going all the way back to the pilgrims in the year 1619, when the first Thanksgiving was celebrated. In order to give thanks to God uh, for helping the pilgrims survive what was a very, very brutal winter that year. Now, what is thankfulness? Now, there's a lot of definitions for it. My favorite one is that it is the proper response uh, to a recognized 
blessing. It is the proper response to a recognized blessing. It's that deep sense of gratitude that we feel because of something someone has done for us or something someone has given to us. This character trait of thanksgiving or thankfulness is spoken of uh, continually in the Scriptures from one end of the Bible to the other. And it's always spoken of very, very favorably. And the reason why this characteristic trait, character trait of thankfulness is always spoken of as something good in a human life is, is because it is always a good thing in our lives. You can't say that about a lot of things in life, but a person that's marked by thankfulness, that's always a good thing. And conversely, the absence of thankfulness in a human life really is a blemish on a human life, and it really is a defect. Shakespeare wrote concerning uh, ingratitude, and he certainly had uh, a fairly uh, powerful use of the English language. He said, I hate ingratitude more in a man than lying, vainness, babbling, drunkenness, or any taint of voice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail blood. Wow. This is a lot about the absence of thankfulness or gratitude in our life. Now, I want us to consider for a moment the blessedness of a spirit of thankfulness. It is a blessed trait in a child of God because it blesses the heart of God himself. And just as any earthly father or any earthly parent notices whether their child says thank you or fails to thank them, excuse me, the Lord notices the same concerning his children. When a father gives something to his children, he does not expect that his children will respond to that by giving him a gift of equal or greater value. No father gives to a child with the intent that they will ever match the value of the gift. That doesn't enter into his thinking at all. He loves to bless his children as much as he is able to, and his reward is not a gift of equal value, but the blessing of a child's appreciation or a child's joy and thanksgiving as a result of receiving the gift. And when that child takes the time to actually express their thankful heart to that parent or to that father, that is what is priceless to a father. And when God blesses our lives, what blesses him most is when we stop and just say thank you to him with a sincere, thankful heart. And he notices it. I think of this that great event in Jesus' life where he was 
going about his ministry, and there were ten lepers who called out to him from a distance. They called on him to have mercy on them, and they were asking for him to heal them or to cleanse them of their leprosy. And Jesus called out to them and said, Go show yourself to the priests. And the idea was that if they believed in his word, they would be healed. Go to the priest to then show themselves to be cleansed of their leprosy, which was required an offering on the part of the priests in acknowledgement of that. It was Jesus' way of not only cleansing them of their leprosy, but also communicating to the religious establishment that the Messiah is on the scene. And so they turned, and immediately upon that, they were cleansed of their leprosy, and just one of the lepers came to Jesus in order to offer him thanks. And we were told in Luke's gospel that Jesus answered when all of that happened, and he said, were there not ten cleansed, but where is the nine? And the event really does teach us something important, and that is that Jesus notices when he is thanked for having done some good in a person's life, and he notices when we fail to give him thanks. It also tells us that our thanksgiving means something to him. It means something to his heart. It's valuable to him, and it blesses him. Again, when we give gifts to our children or to our grandchildren, it's a great joy to do that within our abilities But the circle is never quite complete without a thank you. There's always a sense that this whole thing has been marred in some way. It is less than what it could actually be until that thank you comes forth from the person that has received the blessing. And what is true of our lives is true with the Lord as well. And so thanksgiving is good. It's a good characteristic character trait because it blesses our Lord. It's also good because it blesses other people. I don't know that there's many things that are more attractive in a human life than a spirit of thankfulness, where a person walks through this life not with a sense of entitlement, not with a sense that they deserve what they have and even more than what they have, but with a humility that is able to recognize that the blessings that are a part of their life are a gift that has been given to them, and then to respond to the blessings in their life with an appreciative spirit, with a spirit of of thankfulness. And when you run into a thankful person, I mean someone who is conscious of their blessings, humbled by their blessings, that thankful spirit. I mean, they wear it like an ornament. They wear it like a fragrance. When a person walks in thankfulness, it's just, it dominates their life. Any room that they walk into, any um, relationship that they come into, any circumstance or conversation that they enter into, they bring a fragrance, they bring a grace They bring a beauty into that because it's a beautiful characteristic in a human life. And we live in a culture that fights against thankfulness. We we celebrate a holiday for it. 
and then everything else that surrounds it fights against us or works against us being a thankful people or a thankful nation. You look at how many, I forget, it was been years ago, so you can go online and Google it or wherever you go to do a search for things and find out how many commercials the average person is going to watch in the course of a day or a week or in the course of a year or course of their lifetime. It's really, really discouraging. But the characteristic of commercials is to, and the aim of it, is to make us dissatisfied with what we have and to introduce covetousness, a desire for something that we don't have, and a restlessness within us until we possess that thing. And so this is such a dominant characteristic of, of life in this nation that pretty soon we can lose track of uh, this uh, characteristic of thankfulness in our lives and not even realize it's been long removed or the fight that we sometimes have to fight to remain a thankful person in this world in the midst of, of all of this. The reason that thankfulness is a blessing to other people and has this wonderful effect upon other people is because a life that's marked by thanksgiving is a life that's like Christ. It's like Jesus. When Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish to feed the 5,000, he gave thanks for those five loaves and those two fish. When he meditated upon the great numbers of common people who were following him, people like you and me for the most part, though broadly rejected by the religious establishment. His heart was blessed that the common person heard his message and knew of God's love for them and desire for their soul. And when he saw that, he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and you've revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. On the night before the cross... When he instituted the Lord's Supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to the disciples saying, Drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. As he was about to raise Lazarus from uh, the dead, he expressed thanksgiving in prayer to the Father for the fact that the Father heard his prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he proceeded forward to raise Lazarus from the dead. And on and on we could go and give examples of Jesus' life marked by thankfulness and marked by a thankful heart. And so thankfulness is just simply beautiful in a human life, because it's to live a life like Christ, the most beautiful life that's ever been lived. Thankfulness is also good because it blesses us. I mention it third because it should be third, but it still is very, very significant. Thanksgiving is its own reward. The person who is a thankful person enjoys every blessing in life 
at least twice. They get twice the blessing out of everything in life than the person who is not thankful. And I would say they get many times more than twice as much. The blessing of receiving it, but then the blessing of being thankful for what it is that they've received. And the thankfulness allows us to enjoy our blessings in a way that we wouldn't otherwise enjoy them. I think about sitting down to eat a meal as a Christian. When a Christian prays and thanks God for that meal, that meal becomes vastly more than it would otherwise be. I don't sit down and just start to stuff my face and, and you know, just put fuel in the old body or something like that. But when we sit down and we pray and we give thanks for a meal, there's that recognition that I am enjoying now something that is a gift from God. This is a provision from God. I am going to enjoy this meal in His presence. I'm going to enjoy it in fellowship with Him. And I'm going to enjoy this meal dominated by a spirit of thanksgiving. I don't know if anybody's done a study on it yet. Maybe we'll see it on TED Talks one of these days. On the... uh, blessing to the digestive tract that thanksgiving might be, uh, being dominated by thanksgiving in the course of eating a meal as opposed uh, to all of these other spirits that can sometimes mark us when we're eating. I think about the blessings of little things in life that we enjoy so much more because we're thankful. I think about a walk where we can just say, Lord, thank you for the strength Thank you for the energy. Thank you for the time to be able to take this walk. Thank you that you're with me, Lord. Thank you that you're such good company. A drive through the countryside becomes a greater blessing than it would ever be apart from recognizing it as a gift from the Lord and being thankful for it. A vacation is a greater event than it will ever be when it is under the dominating spirit of thanksgiving. How about when the car starts? (laughs) Some of you haven't driven a car that you wonder whether it'll start or not for years. But you remember your first car or your second car, your third car, and many in this room pray for that car before they turn that key every single day to this day in their life. The little things to just give thanks for. When you lay your head down on the pillow at night to sleep, you say, Lord, thank you for this bed. I don't take it for granted. Thank you for something to cover me. Thank you for a roof over my head. And on and on we could go to talk about sunrises and sunsets and children and grandchildren and friends in church. They're all good things made even better when we recognize they've come from the Lord and we enjoy them with Him. So we see what a quality thankfulness adds to a human life. Someone has said, it's one of my favorite quotes concerning thankfulness. Um, The worst moment, he said, the worst moment for the atheist is when he's really thankful and has nobody to thank. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? And that's not a cheap shot. 
That person will never enjoy even the greatest, most gigantic blessings in life in the way that you and I enjoy the smallest of things in life. God's Word tells us here in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, that in everything we're to give thanks. And that tells us that as Christians, in every circumstance in life, there are reasons to be thankful. In every circumstance we'll ever face in life, no matter how difficult it is, how deep the valley, how great the spiritual warfare, how stretching the circumstance is, in every circumstance, that verse tells us, there is cause or reason for thanksgiving in each one of our lives. And further, that the reasons for our thanksgiving are immovable. They're, they're unshakable and unchanging. They're completely unaffected by the circumstances of this fallen world. And it tells us that we have reasons to be thankful no matter what's going on in the world, internationally or nationally or locally or in our own family or in our own individual lives. And the reason that we can be thankful is because every Christian always has a reason for being thankful. I remember speaking at a pastor's conference in Indiana many, many years ago. And one of the worship leaders, it was a man, he led us in a worship song that I think spoke of our salvation. And he, one of the repeated lines in the song said something like, since the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. What the world gives, it can always take away. That's why it's always unsure. But what God gives, the world can never take away. It can never touch those blessings in our life. Since the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. I've never, ever forgotten that line, and it's always blessed me. God has given us blessings as Christians that lie very safely beyond the reach of any circumstance we will ever face in this fallen world. And I don't know of any better place to kind of prime the pump just a little bit here this morning, prime the pump of thanksgiving in our hearts than uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 1. You might just turn there uh, for a moment. And in that chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, he lists some of the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus, the blessings that are ours because of our faith in Christ. Now, there's an old, famous old hymn entitled, Count Your Blessings. And it was written by Johnson uh, Oatman, Jr. in 1897. And I'll just read you a couple of lines from it or a stanza in the chorus. He wrote, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings... Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. And here's the chorus. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God hath done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God hath done. I'm going to read you one more stanza here. He says, 
Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. I said I'd only do one more, but I'm going to do another one. Because this one, this one's for America. When you look at others with their lands in gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy, your reward in heaven, nor your home on high. And I love the song, and I love, even if we don't ever memorize the song, just to have that line that speaks of counting our many blessings, naming them one by one. It's one thing to stop and realize, I'm very blessed as a Christian. It's altogether does something even greater in our lives to stop and actually name them, to actually number them and to speak uh, of them. And that's a good thing to do, and that's what Thanksgiving is intended to do, I'm sure, and certainly what we want it to do in our lives as Christians. So I thought we would just, this morning, we might just briefly count some of our many blessings, name them one by one as they're listed by the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians chapter 1. I figure if it's a good thing for Paul to do, it can't be a bad thing for us uh, to do. Uh, By the way, it is interesting to realize that our word thank in the English language and the word think in the English language, they both come from the same root word. And the idea is that to think is ultimately to thank. And this is something that goes way back to Christian roots in our country and, and the origin of the language and in England. And there was that idea that if a person, certainly in a culture that's dominated by Christianity, that to think is to end up thanking. It will always translate into thanking. I don't know that it's true of the world anymore because I don't know that we're dominated by Christianity and the culture any longer or the Bible, but it certainly is true for us as Christians. He lists some of the blessings in verse 4. He declares that we've been chosen by God before the foundation of the world. We're to just sit and give thanks to the Lord with the realization that our salvation is a part of God's plan that reaches all the way back into eternity behind us, reaches all the way into eternity before us, reaches all the way back even before the foundation of the world. And what's being communicated is that we're blessed with a salvation that's more sure, more secure than we could ever imagine. In fact, our salvation is so sure, so secure, that in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, Paul writes by the Spirit of God and declares that God already sees you and I seated in the heavenly places. Now, that's a blessing. And that's a blessing no one can take away from you as a child of God, a sure salvation. He says in verse 5 that we've been adopted by God. So not only have we been saved and forgiven, but we've been made a part of God's family. He shares his name with us. I don't know that if, I don't, I don't for the life of me understand why he would adopt me into his family and then want to identify himself with me. 
that he would share his name with me, but he's done it. We've been made a part of his family. What a blessing. Third, we see in verse 6 that we've been accepted in the beloved. Because of Jesus, we're an accepted people. Think about how what great lengths people are going to all around the world. But we think about our country especially. Look at the lengths that people go to in order to gain acceptance. It tells us how much people are craving acceptance from other people and what they're willing to do to their bodies, do to their minds, do to their personalities, do to their souls, do to their emotions, their hearts. I mean, what links people are to go to. And here we are. We have acceptance from God. We don't have to prove ourselves to God or constantly try to earn His acceptance We already have it because we've done the single greatest thing a person can do to honor God, and that is to put our faith and our trust in His Son. In verse 7, he tells us that we have redemption through Jesus' blood. Redemption means to be released upon the payment of a ransom. We've been released from the bondage of selfishness and sin and the devil and the lusts of this world and all of the bondage that's been found there. We may not always walk in it 100%, but we've been given that freedom. We've been given that redemption uh, from God. As Jesus said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We have been liberated. In verses 7 and 8, He declares that we have the forgiveness of sins, that we're forgiven people. How wonderful is that today in terms of being um, for thankfulness? I don't know what your past was before you became a Christian. I'm glad that my past has been forgiven by God and is under the blood of Christ. For us as Christians, when something of our past comes into our mind and would, you know, drive us into a downward spiral of shame and condemnation, we're able to take that thought and say, Lord, I am not going to give one moment's thought to that thing that has entered into my mind. It is unworthy of one who has been forgiven and saved and cleansed and redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And then we go on about our business. What a blessing that is for a human life. And if you don't know Christ this morning, that can be a part of your life before you leave the room today to receive the forgiveness of God that is so complete that He separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. In verses 9 and 10, He tells us that we're a mystery knowing people and what a blessing that is. We know the origin of the heavens, the earth, of man. We know the reason that the world has fallen and why it's broken and the reason is sin. We know the origin of death and what happens after death. We know how to prepare for death. We know how to be saved. We know how the world ends. We know the meaning and the purpose of life. We know what God is like and so much more. 
We would not know the answer to any of those questions apart from God revealing them to us through His Word and then illuminating them to us by the Holy Spirit. And without the answers to those questions, we would be forced to live a very ignorant, empty, meaningless, frustrating, hopeless, animal-like life. He tells us in verses 13 and 14 that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. God has put His mark of ownership upon each one of our lives by putting His Holy Spirit inside of our lives. And again, on and on we could go. We could go from chapter 1 and move on into chapter 2 and further blessings that are listed there. There's so much to thank Him for. And these are the things that make a person truly rich in life. And if a person doesn't possess these blessings, they can never, ever be considered rich. Every other definition of rich or richness in this world that does not include these things, it's bogus. It's a fraud. It ought to be laughed off of the stage. These are the things that make a human being truly, truly rich. One of the beautiful things about all of these things the Holy Spirit lists here by the Apostle Paul is that they come to us from God, and because they're a gift from God, they can never be taken away from us in this life. There was a pastor by the name of Jack Hinton, and he was on a short-term missions trip, and he was leading worship at a leper colony in uh, the island of uh, Tobago. And a woman who had been facing away from the pulpit during the entire worship service suddenly turned around and he declared, true story, he said, it was the most hideous face I'd ever seen. The woman's nose and, and ears were completely gone due to her leprosy. And she lifted a fingerless hand into the air, he said, And she asked, can we sing, count your many blessings? And overcome with emotion, he left the service, and he was followed by a team member that was on the mission trip with him. And his friend said to him, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. And Pastor Hinton said, yes, I will, but I'll never sing it the same way. And she had experienced a cause for thanksgiving and possessed a cause for thanksgiving that was way greater than the physical circumstances of life. Behold, the preacher mounted his pulpit, and to him one hundred faces looked up, and they were as the sons of earth, Five billion faces captured in one hundred. And the preacher placed a lozenge on his tongue so that his voice became both sweet and oily. And smiling the smile of those who see but who do not understand, he said, Let us give thanks. And a thousand vo- a hundred voices murmured, Amen. And there was not joy in that Amen. 
Let us give thanks, said the preacher, for the wholeness of our bodies, for legs that walk and run, for ears that hear the song of birds, the eyes that see beauty and flower for earth and sky, for arms that envelop and hands that hold. And sadly, without a word, there arose blind men and deaf, men crippled and paralyzed, and those who had lost a limb. And behold, ten men made their way out of that church. But the preacher continued and said, Let us give thanks for our health, for lungs breathing in soft air, for enjoyment of food and drink, for the firm tone of skin that radiates soundness. And there arose and departed those with TB and those with leprosy, those who knew no food but hot milk and that taken with pain. And behold, ten more left the congregation. But the preacher continued his rhapsody and said, Let us give thanks for earthly benefits, the comforts of this world, the rivers of wealth that this fruitful world has bestowed upon us. And there departed of the poor who had seen their children die of malnutrition and their parents of the cold, ten more. But the preacher, his eyes raised and in riveted contemplation of comfortable thoughts, saw none of this and said, Let us give thanks for home and hearth for the families in which we dwell. And there departed out of the congregation the dispossessed, the refugee, the old man from the welfare home, and the young girl who had disgraced the family name, in all ten more. And the preacher persisted and said, Let us give thanks for our friends. And from the congregation there arose forgotten men from lonely corners of large cities, the painfully shy who eat nightly in cheap restaurants alone, the isolated who dwell on farms miles from the neighbor and all who by their fellows are considered odd or of the wrong race or wrong background and quietly there slipped away ten more. But the preacher drawing from his lozenge comfort and unction said, Let us give thanks for our beauty, surely no supernatural beauty, for we are but humble men but that which makes us graceful, gracious, and good to be with. And Sally, who knew her chin receded, and George, whose eyes were crossed, and Greg, who was bald, and Lewis, who had piano legs, and six more rose and departed from that place. And still yet the preacher spoke. Let us give thanks for our wonderful minds through which we understand art and science, literature and history, and probe the most profound mysteries of the universe. And several people of average intelligence blushed, and a moron looked bewildered, and an imbecile stared blankly. But they all arose, ten of them, and walked to the door. But the preacher, without a glance downward, almost sang as he said, Let us give thanks for our virtues that make the path of life pleasant, as if it be decked by flowers. And there were those who were tortured by bad tempers and racked by jealousy, stabbed by envy and made miserable by thwarted attempts at love, and ten more who were no ten more who were no more part of that congregation. But the preacher spoke on, saying, Let us give thanks for justice. The Jew from Cairo, the Arab from the Negev, the black from Mississippi, and all those deprived of recourse to law, medicine, and education, ten in number left. 
But the preacher said, let us give thanks for peace. And there departed ten more victims of war declared and undeclared. And then the preacher looked out on his congregation and there was no one there. And his lozage had melted and there was no more sweetness or oiliness to his voice. And he cried out and his voice cracked. O Lord, my Lord, where have they gone? And behold, a voice from heaven, a still small voice said, For thou hast exalted what I have not promised. And since the heart of man knows easily the taste of bitterness, they've departed thy congregation. When have I promised thee wholeness of body, health, or earthly comforts? When have I promised thee unbroken bonds with family or friends? When have I promised thee possessions of beauty, intelligence, or virtue? When have I told thee that in this world man will always know justice and peace? Remember my servant Job? Remember my son Jesus? When have I promised an easy lot for the sons of men, even the Christian sons of men? And then the preacher cried out, O Lord, what then will thou give us? And the voice replied, Myself. And the preacher ran to the doorway of the church, and there sitting the shadows of its great pillars and lofty spires, mute with eyes cast down, were the hundred in whose eyes could be seen the eyes of five billion. And the preacher took out his box of lozenges, and he hurled them into outer darkness, and he cried with a cracked but human cry, Oh, my friends, I've deceived you. We may have health. We may have friends. We may have justice. But all we're sure of is God. Of old it is said by Job, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And later in his dying, our Savior Jesus spoke to the Father and said, Into thy hands I commit my spirit, for this is all that is sure that God gives to us himself, and this is all that counts. And a blind man wept, and a friendless man grabbed his neighbor's hand, and the black man from Mississippi knew that his struggles were worthwhile, and they all came back inside. Behold, the preacher mounted his pulpit, and to him one hundred faces looked up, and the preacher said, Let us give thanks that God himself is with us, world without end. And a hundred voices cried out, Amen, and there was joy in heaven. Now there is something more in this verse, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thanksgiving is to mark our hearts, and it's to mark and to characterize our lives, and I know that it does. But the verse asks for something more than that. It calls on us to actually express the thanksgiving that is in our heart to the Lord who has blessed us so richly with the blessings that He has blessed us with. And so in order to obey 
that exhortation and that encouragement today, I'd like the worship team to once again come forward and to lead us in just a little bit of worship that allows us to express in this season given over to the great theme of thanksgiving an opportunity to not only be thankful in the quietness of our heart, but also to fully fulfill the verse in expressing it to the Lord audibly this morning. Let's worship the Lord.